We're still nearing the end of that great book, the book of Revelation. And if you will, turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. We're finishing up those little scenes at the end of history that uh, the Lord revealed to John and John revealed to us in this word. This is done under the inspiration of God's Spirit. This comes directly from God. It comes directly from Jesus Christ who gave these words and these visions to John himself. Um, the apostle and relayed them to us and we trust in these words today that they are trustworthy and faithful and true and and because of these words we have great hope today and yes everyone looks at the book of revelation and they see the terrible judgments being poured out and those kinds of things but we have to understand that that is the cleansing of the world from its evil and one day god is bringing a, is going to bring a glorious kingdom and set up a, a great and glorious future that we can't even begin to describe. John couldn't barely describe it. It's, it's, it's going to be indescribable and it's going to be glorious. Let's read those verses together in Revelation 21, beginning at verse 22. And it says this, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates shall never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter into it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. As human beings, we have this innate desire within us for what I would call transcendence. <clears throat> to move beyond ourselves, to move outside of ourselves, <clears throat> looking for something beyond just us and something beyond this world. And, and the reason I know that is simply observing human behavior because we are so much into entertainment. And, Entertainment is, is, is our way of transcending the, the regular world of, of our lives. Of going past work, going past uh, the government and, and politics. Unfortunately, politics is inserting itself in entertainment nowadays. But, but, but our love for entertainment, our, our love for, for moving outside of, of the normal uh, warp and woof of our lives, I think is, is a sign of that transcendence. A child playing... And, and their imagination is, is uh, their, 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 their form of transcendence, of moving outside the reality of their world. And they have such great and wonderful imaginations. But we're constantly looking for something beyond ourselves. And, and, and some people, as, as, as they've grown older, have, have turned that into a pursuit for God and His glory. To, to, find, to find God in, in, you know, somewhere... Um, in anything. Now, some, some people have given up and have 
become atheist and they become nihilistic and for them there there's nothing outside of, of this world and, and and it just ends and the only transcendence that we, we can find is in this life a small bit of transcendence but we're always looking for that that thing beyond ourselves and I think it has to do with the fact that God made us in his image and for his glory and 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 and, and we want to seek out that that glory that that's beyond the world so, so, something brilliant something wonderful something pure and unadulterated the uh, glorious light and and people tend to to like the light better than you, they they do darkness in general it, it, even though we have this this sinful nature within us that pulls us towards darkness but 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 people tend tend to want to be in the light that they, they they want that light that that they want light within themselves that they want something you know brilliant and wonderful beyond this life and we're constantly looking for it and what the Bible has done from the very beginning is shown us that there is something or I should say someone beyond this world who, who awaits us and in, in this beyond in this transcendence and, and and is there waiting for us and he is very very real he has made us to desire that transcendence he's made us to desire that glory he's made us to be people who worship and, and and that's something that that's within us that 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 we want we want we we're constantly pursuing that which is beyond us and I think that that that's um, explained here in the book of Revelation there is a divine glory waiting for us at the end of history where it says the nations will enter into it and they will bring their glory and honor into it and in homage of this great and glorious God in the Old Testament we see images of this glory of God in the world and, and, and it shows up in various places the rabbis called it Shekinah glory and Shekinah is, is a Hebrew word um, j j just meaning present or, or, or appearing or revealed something that's been revealed in the world and in the Old Testament when this Shekinah glory showed up um, at first it showed up in the garden with God's own presence with Adam and Eve but because of their sin they lost that presence and after that the Shekinah glory of God showed up in, in within nature the different aspects of nature like Moses seeing the burning bush or the Israelites seeing the cloud of a pillar of cloud by, by day and a pillar of fire by night guiding them through the, the, the wilderness years and and God blessed them even though they were sinful. Uh, God's um, uh, pillar would rest every year, would come to the tabernacle and rest on the mercy seat so that the priest could go in and, and do the Day of Atonement sacrifice year after year after year. The Shekinah glory of God showed up in nature, so, sort of hidden. And, and I would say that, that the greatest appearance of the Shekinah glory of God this appearing glory came in Jesus Christ hidden in human flesh and dwelled among us and lived among us and you know uh, that glory um, was in Christ and there was one time when Jesus was on earth you know you know he was fulfilling the, the glory of God here on earth with within himself 
that there was a time when he and his three of his disciples went up on a mountaintop and Jesus was transfigured before them so that they could get a glimpse of this, the, this uh, glory of God um, in, in a very real way. Jesus was transformed before them. His glory shone forth. Um, Moses and Elijah appeared out of heaven with them. Uh, Moses and Elijah represent as representatives of the Old Testament. Moses represented the law and Elijah represented the prophets. Uh, they were there and, and Peter and James and John were so amazed. They said, Lord, let us, let us build three tabernacles so, you, so, that, so all three of you could stay. And all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah disappeared and there's only Jesus. And I think that makes some great symbolism in, in, in the uh, New Testament and the Gospels. That Jesus is the only one to be glorified. And He is the only one, only glory that we need to see. But God appeared in various ways over the history, in, in different ways, showing His glory, giving people glimpses of His glory. And here at the end of history, it says here, there is no more temple, there is only the Lord God shining forth as the source of light in this new and glorious Jerusalem that's coming in the future. God is the only source of life. He's the only source of light that's needed there. His glory, His splendor and majesty will show, will show forth. In, in the Old Testament, again, the temple was the sign of, of God's presence with His people. It was the house, a place where they could come and worship Him, and that God would come down and meet with them. Before the temple, there was the tabernacle, but the, but, but the temple um, reflects the tabernacle in its construction. The tabernacle was meant to be a temporary shelter that moved back and forth through the wilderness. It, it was a portable the temple was permanent, and it was in the center of Jerusalem. But, but even in the symbol of, the of that old temple, it was showing that this temple really represented the earth. Because inside um, the, the temple, um, there was this seven-branch candlestick. You've all seen images of that. Uh, the Hebrews call it the menorah. And, and, and within the, the one in the temple, the seven branches had um, pomegranates engraved on each of the branches. And there are some scholars who say, well, that, that symbolizes the tree of life that was in the garden. There was the showbread, which was placed on a table off to the side, and that was a symbol of God's provision, providing for them in the Garden of Eden. Uh, they had a wash basin, and... The one in the temple was large enough where the priest could walk into it and dip into it and then, then, then cleanse themselves and come out. They called that bronze labor the sea, which is interesting. And then behind the, the, the veil, the, what was called the Holy of Holies, where the mercy seat sat, there was this curtain, and the tradition is that that curtain had a sea of stars on it. And of course, behind the sea of stars, behind, behind the, the physical heavens, was the heaven, heaven of heavens where God dwelt. But through Jesus Christ, you know, when he, when he was here on this earth, and he came into Jerusalem, and his disciples were with him, 
And, and, and they were asking Jesus, do you, do you see the glory of this temple, how wonderful it is? And Jesus told them, he says, there's coming a day where there will not be one brick laid upon the other at this temple. It's going to be gone. Now, I, I'm wondering if, if Jesus meant this scene here in Revelation. But even, even before all this happened, um, history says that the Romans came in. They destroyed the city of, of Jerusalem during, during the last Jewish-Roman war. They destroyed the temple, took it apart brick by brick, melted off the gold, and there has not been a temple in Jerusalem since then. And I can't help but wonder if that's not a sign of, of Jesus Christ, because, well, Jesus predicted this would happen. He told his disciples, he told others, that this temple would be destroyed. That, that the temple on the mount would be gone. And there's not a temple there today. There is what's called the Dome of a Rock, which is the Dome of the Rock, which is where the Muslims, when they took over Palestine, um, they, they built um, a temple over the rock there, which is supposedly the rock where Abraham was going to sacrifice Ishmael and didn't. Now you're saying, wait a minute, I thought, I thought Abraham sacrificed Isaac. Not according to the Muslim tradition, it was Ishmael who was offered up as a sacrifice in the Muslim tradition. Um, but anyway, there, there, there has not been a temple there since it was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. And I'm telling you, I don't think there's going to be a temple there again. And, I, and I'll tell you why, because there, it, when Jesus, in, in John chapter 4, talks to the woman at the well, he tells her, there's coming a time, woman, when you will not um, worship on this mountain or the mountain in Jerusalem, but the true worshipers of God will worship Him in spirit and in truth. He was talking about Mount Gerizim, where, where um, some, the Samaritans believed that, that they worshiped God, even though the Temple Mount was in Jerusalem. But anyway, that, that's, that, that's all saying this. Jesus tells us that the Temple is no longer needed. The physical place where God dwelt in Jerusalem was no longer needed. And I think it means this, that Jesus Christ is sufficient for us today. In other words, He is all that we need. We don't need a dwelling place for God here on earth. And there's reasons for that. The Apostle Paul teaches us, and others, that we have become the temple of God's Spirit. When Jesus Christ suffered and died on the cross for our sins, He put an end for all time, this separation between us and God. The physical temple represented not only God's dwelling place, but it also, it also showed us our separation between us and God. Because we could not go past that veil only the priest could do that once a year to offer sacrifices. The veil between God and, 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 and the um, outer part of the temple was there. But on the day Jesus died, the book of Matthew tells us that that 
that curtain was torn in two in a great earthquake. And Matthew said that on purpose to emphasize the fact that through Jesus Christ there is no more separation between us and God. Jesus' sacrifice has cleansed us from our sins. Those who believe in Him, those who receive it, He has cleansed us from our sins so that God's Spirit can enter into our temple. The temple of our bodies. And everyone who believes in Jesus Christ and everyone who's accepted Him has God's presence in their lives within them. Jesus said that the Comforter would come, Jesus Christ, and He would show us all things and teach us all things. That He told the disciples to wait in the city of Jerusalem, to be clothed with power from on high from God. And in Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost, God's Spirit was poured out on all flesh, all those who believe in Him, all those who accept God as their Savior. And it says their sons and their daughters would prophesy. Their old men would dream dreams. All of these wonderful and great, and, and great things would happen when God's Spirit was poured out upon all flesh. All those who believe in Jesus Christ. All those who have accepted Him as Savior. We have God dwelling within us. And, and we are the temple. I'm saying all this to say this. That, that there is no need for a temple, a physical temple in Jerusalem now. Some scholars predict or, or try to say that because there's a temple mentioned in Revelation that there's going to be an end times temple that, that's built before Jesus returns. I don't think that's going to happen. I, you know, it, it could happen, I suppose, but I don't think that's going to happen. Because the, the temple, you know, shows that, that, they're, you know, that they're trying to put God in a box, so to speak. <laughs> Even though that was the place God chose to come and meet with His people in the past, the temple represented the, what God was going to do in the future. That the whole earth would be filled with His presence. That, that the, the separation caused by sin would one day be gone. And, and that God would not be contained in houses built by men, by human hands. But His promise was that He would come and dwell with us. And where does He dwell? He dwells in the hearts of believers, in the lives of believers. But now at the end of history, what the, you know, Paul says that, that the Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our future salvation. The Spirit is a deposit that He's given us to, 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 to dwell with us right now. But in the future, what's contained within us in an invisible way, we, we don't see it, it's going to become visible. And when, when the new Jerusalem comes down with its 12 gates and its 12 foundations and, and, and all of its glorious jewels and the streets of gold and, 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 and its glorious buildings, when it comes and we walk into that city, there's not, going to be need, there's not going to need to be any temple because we'll see God face to face. We'll see His glory. And His light will give light to every part of that city and, and, and the whole world that exists at that time. His glory will be seen by us. 
God in His glory. His glory represents the weight of His presence. His glory is unmatched on the earth. In fact, it says all the nations who believe, and there will be some nations who come to believe in God and make it into this glorious kingdom. Um, the book of Revelation uh, talks often that, that through the judgments there, there are some who will come and believe. It also says there are some who will reject God and refuse to believe. But the ones who, who, who accept God, the nations who accept God and come into this, it says that they're going to bring their glory and honor into the nations. They're, they're, they're going to be casting their riches and, and, and their splendor and, 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 and all those things before God's feet. They're bringing their glory into this, into this kingdom and giving it over to God. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We don't often see this kind of majesty or brilliance here on earth. Because we live in such a darkened world. It used to be that, um, you know, especially before World War I, uh, we would often see the splendor of, of, of these kingdoms and, and coronations and those kinds of things. Um, you know, all, all the great kings and kingdoms and emperors disappeared after World War I, except for maybe Great Britain. And the last time we've ever seen such, you know, glory and splendor um, through a, uh, a monarchy, a monarchical coronation is with Elizabeth II. And even back then it was black and white on, on, our, on our TVs and many people watched her coronation. It, it, it was a, a splendorous kind of thing. But we, we don't see that kind of, of uh, majesty and glory on earth anymore. The, the days of, of kings have long passed and now we, now we just have what we call the nation states. Um, but, you know... <clears throat> The, the, the best times that, that we can experience God's glory is in worship. And that's, and that's what we have to be content with, is, is, is gathering in a place like this and, and worshiping God, realizing that, that we're carrying His glory within us, His presence is within us, and when we gather in worship like this, God is especially with us. And so what we need to be doing as, as believers, uh, number one, if we're, if we're the temple of the Holy Spirit now, and we're awaiting that glorious future with God, what we need to do is, is re recapture a sense of awe in our worship. Singing hymns and those kinds of things and, and praying, the, the, those things are great, but even they can become... Uh, wrote things. Th th things that we just do over and over again without putting much thought into it. But what we have to do um, in, in our own hearts is, 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 is come, you know, in a way where we're leaving the world behind for just a moment and entering into the transcendent glory of God. That's not always easy to do. The, the, the world of work and, and the world of, of uh, dealing with people and, and the world of family problems and, 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 and the world of, of pressures from uh, both without and from within. The, the, the sinful nature that, that we're dealing with and, 
and, and, and, and the crime that we're dealing with and, 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 and the murder that's going on in the world, the, the, the debasement that's happening all around us, it's hard for us in our hearts and minds to leave those things behind in, that, in the moment of transcendence. But this is why the Sabbath is so important. This is why transcendence is so important. This is why worship is so important. It's so that we can, for, for just, j just a little while, leave the, the problems of the world behind us and enter into God's transcendent glory, recognizing that He is in our hearts and lives right now, but that that presence within us is a deposit guaranteeing something that's far greater than we can even think or describe or tell. I like churches that have stained glass windows. <laughs> and I know that that's a traditional thing. And I may have said this before, so forgive me if I, if I say it again. You know, the, the light coming in through stained glass windows are supposed to remind us of the heavenly kingdom to come. Because it's supposed to come through that glass and shine through in various different colors. Just like the glorious new city of Jerusalem is supposed to be. And so often our churches have become more and more like um, the factory or the garage or the, or the uh, shopping mall kind of, kind of design. Which, you know, I guess it's fine. I mean, there's other ways of cultivating worship um, in, in, those, in those designs. But, but I think we, we need to be thinking more outside of the box, outside of the normal world. Um, otherwise, <clears throat> we tend to make the things of God way too common. When we see here that God <clears throat> is over and above the world and beyond the world, He's beyond anything that you and I can even conceive of. I mean, He exists in glorious light and His light shines forth so that we don't even need a sun or a moon or stars anymore. And that there is no more night in that glorious kingdom to come. That is brilliant, pure, unadulterated glory and majesty that awaits us. And we need to, in our hearts, when we come to worship, we need to come with this attitude that, Lord, I'm leaving the things behind of my week. I'm leaving behind my stresses and anxiety. And I'm focusing on you this morning. I'm transcending the world in my own heart and mind. And, 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 and I'm moving towards you. We need to cultivate that in our hearts and lives. The other thing I would say, you know, besides you know, transcendence and, and focusing on God's glory, is that we need to keep our temples pure. We need to keep our temples pure. The Bible tells us that we can be free from sin. That we can die to sin and be alive to Christ. Now it doesn't mean that there's a sinless perfection. But what it does mean is that my desire is for God. Even if I make mistakes, my one desire is for God. And so I, 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 I strive to please Him by keeping my temple pure. There is a sense in which the Holy Spirit does that because the Holy Spirit helps us in that. The Holy Spirit points out our faults and failures and it, and it points out the things that we're doing wrong so that we can repent and, and, and have those things 
removed from us and try to you know, live for God as we should. And, 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 and we're, we're actually meeting God's standard of perfection when we say, I love the Lord my God with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. And we mean it. <laughs> and I love my neighbor as myself. And I mean it. That, that, that's all God expects from us. He doesn't expect us to be completely sinless. He doesn't expect us to be completely mistake-free. But we can be free from a heart that says, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I don't care what you think, God. God wants to free us from that rebellion within us. And that can happen if we, if we allow His Spirit to move. And then we've got to strive to keep ourselves pure from the stain of the world. We've got, we've got to turn to God's Spirit and ask Him to help us and guide us. We have to stay away from the things that tempt us. Because temptations are going to come regardless of what we do. But we can overcome them through the power of Christ and through the power of His Holy Spirit. And we need to do all that we can to keep ourselves pure, our temple pure for Him. And by pure, I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about defilement. Some people, some people they, they, when they talk about uh, keeping your temple pure, they're talking about the physical body. And, and even Paul says there is some value in keeping you know, your physical body um, pure. But he says, the focus is on my soul, my spirit within me. We need to keep our hearts and, and lives right with God if we expect to see Him in His full glory on that day in the future. Because it says here at the end, nothing unclean will enter there. He's talking about sin. He's talking about the things that go against God. Nothing unclean will enter into that, that, that glorious new kingdom. We need to keep our hearts and minds pure. We need to stay away from, from what, what the Bible calls sin. And allow His Spirit to work within us. To keep our temple cleaned out and pure. So that's the invitation today. Have, have, you, have you experienced that transcendence in worship? Ha, have you been able to move outside of the anxieties and troubles and trials of life and focus on God and ask Him, Lord, show me Your glory as You did long ago in my life, in my life, in my family? I need Your presence, Lord, now. Yes, I be, I, I'm holding out hope for that glorious new future in, in you. But you've promised me a modicum of that now in this life. Even in all the strife and, and trouble that, that's going on, you've promised me your presence. And I need it in my life, Lord. Help me to transcend what's going on in the moment and really see you high and lifted up in, so I can worship you. And then just ask yourselves, Lord, am I keeping my temple pure? Am I staying pure before you? Lord, I have all kinds of temptations being thrown at me. Have I overcome them? Can I keep myself pure because I know that there's a contained glory within me? The presence of your Holy Spirit. And I want to be in that kingdom when it comes, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse my temple within. Help me, Lord, to be a house for your glory. Let's stand.